now it's time to get the latest from the quarterback of the pack, Aaron Rodgers. It's Tuesdays with Aaron. Here's your host, Jason Wilde. It is the Aaron Rodgers Show, Tuesdays with Aaron. Packers quarterback and NFL MVP, Aaron Rodgers. Are you turned up uh, in the headphone? Yeah, I'm good. I had to go look up that song after we got done last week. Which one? Uh, It's a Puff Daddy collaboration with whoever the guy was that you referenced. Mace? Yes, Mace. Mace, yeah. It was not Anthony Mason. What you know about going out? <laughs> gets kind of dirty after that. Yeah, yeah. it was not. Uh, I wasn't surprised that it was a song I didn't know. Put it that way. Uh, how you doing? Good. Doing good. Um, it's Tuesday. Okay. We've moved on. Yeah, that's what I want to ask. Last time you. I have to talk about Sunday. Thanks to you, and then after that, yeah. except for tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> then after that, then we can finally. I'll move on. So, all right. Well, then let's get into it. Um, The first thing I wanted to ask, and I asked you this after the game, and I kind of worked under this premise, and if it's flawed, I know you will tell me, although based on some of the things your teammates said, I think I feel pretty good about it. It's a disappointing loss, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not the end of the world, is it? I mean, yeah, you'd rather win, but plenty of time to recover and plenty of games that are – just as meaningful, if not more meaningful. Yeah, I mean, you hate losing. Uh, obviously, those are, you know, you go five weeks. Like I said last year after we lost Kansas City, you know, you, when you get on a roll, it's fun. Uh, you kind of forget what it feels like that Monday after, you know, when you lose uh, lose a game. It's it's, uh, it's a rush every week. You get excited. You get on a roll. Um, you know, it's tough to win this league. It's tough to win on the road. It's tough to beat good opponents. Um, obviously, we would have liked to show show up better than we did on Sunday and uh, we apologize to our fans for uh, that disappointing loss but um, we also encourage our fans to stick with us because you know, we got five games left we're still in a good position like I said after the game everything's right in front of us we have four division of games division games we went out uh, we'll accomplish our first goal and uh, you know there's there's still a lot to be excited about I think this is going to be a week where we get at least one of our um, Pro Bowl studs back and look forward to uh, and, uh, seeing a better product on the field this week. I, I want to talk about one of those studs in a minute. I want to do a couple more things about that game, though. First of all, Randall Cobb said after the game, I, I think he said it to the NFL Network because I didn't hear him say this. He said, I feel like our care level wasn't there. I don't know how else to put it. Did you get that sense? I mean, did you feel like you guys didn't care enough or the energy wasn't there or whatever it might have been? Well, yeah, I think I think there's got to be some uh, validity to that statement. Um, I think you have to ask each person individually, and each person has to look in the mirror after a game like that and really ask themselves how, how much uh, you know how much heart they felt they played with that game. And right. um, personally, I was you know I was focused, I was prepared, I felt good about uh, us going into the game and uh, started off good. You had know, touched on the first drive. I, Second drive had it going pretty good and uh, didn't put any points on the board. And after that, it was a struggle. You know, they did a good job on defense. Um, uh, you know, contained us, got after me, um, got me off the spot, and we didn't execute very well. But in, in just closing, what Randall said, I, I'm, I'm not gonna, um, I'm not gonna question what he said, but I'm gonna say that one thing I've been very impressed with, and I continue to give him the praise I think he deserves on this show. But 
Um, I appreciate his leadership. Uh, from a second-year player, it's often surprising um, the way that he stepped up and led. But uh, there's been multiple occasions where he's been uh, um, vocally leading. Um, obviously, he does his leading on the field in the in the in the meeting rooms. Um, he leads by example that way. But uh, I appreciate his vocal leadership and uh, haven't had a, enough good opportunities to tell him that. But I think. Uh, the guys appreciate that as well, and I've told our, some of our other players, uh, young players from at different times, Clay and BJ and Greg, and some guys who've started off really hot in their careers and, and had that uh, legitimacy from their teammates from an early standpoint. And I, just like I was told as a young starting quarterback by some of the older guys, uh, I think it's important for those guys to realize they can have an impact vocally uh, when they when they show how good they are on the field. So is I give that hard when they're that, that young, though? I think it is. It was hard for me because you really want to you want, you want want to feel like you're playing well enough to justify right. saying things. Me, I'm not a big rah-rah guy. I'm not going to give a rousing pregame speech, uh, profanity-laced, you know, in any way. I'm, not, I'm just not a, a hype man. As, you know, as, you're more of a Saturday PowerPoint yeah, guy. Yeah, I'm more of a Saturday PowerPoint guy. Um, that's kind of where I... Where I operate in my comfort zone, but uh, but there's there's a place for it, and and uh, I appreciated uh, every time Randall s- spoke up because uh, it's passion filled and it's heartfelt, and uh, and I think he's uh, he's justifying it with his play on the field. You uh, you guys lost that game in New Orleans in 2008. It was 51, 23 points. Yeah, yeah. Um, two point conversion that game hit. Uh, I had a touchdown to Ravel in that game. Yeah, your guy. Yeah. Um, so this was the worst loss of your career as a starter in yep. terms of bulge. Um, what's it like on the sideline during one of those games? And what is that? Is that the worst loss you've ever had as a starting quarterback? Did Shasta ever get you like that or yeah, anybody else? We smashed else? Shasta. We smashed him. <laughs> we smashed Shasta. What did we beat him? Forty-nine. To- 21. My my buddy Kyle's got something for me for uh, Shasta that I'm going to try and unveil next week. So no, but have you ever had the a... only game we lost to Butte College was to Fresno City College, 55-42. We put up you know 600 yards of offense and lost. So that wasn't a that wasn't a blowout loss. So no. did you ever have one in high school? Did you ever have one at Cal? Oh. And what's it like when you're suffering that? Because I I assume at some point, not that you become resigned to it, but it's not like you know some it's not like the Seattle game. For example, you kind of oh. have some time to get used to the idea that you're not going to win. I'm telling you, and I said this after the game. At some point, as long as you play this game, there's going to be where you're on the opposite side of this. 2010, we played the Giants. They came to us. We beat them 45 to 17, I think, and mm-hmm. be a you know, 28-point victory for us. You know, it, it's it sucks. I mean, uh, it, you're going to be on both sides of this. You know, the winning side and the losing side. Uh, there's there's no fun to it. You feel it on the sidelines. It's uh, frustrating. Um, you feel it on the field. You're not able to execute the way you want to. It's, uh, you know, it's frustrating. We, you know, when I was in eighth grade, I played on the Chico Jaguars, and we played uh, um, Orville. It was a uh, one of our rivals, and they beat us probably, I think, 33 to seven. They've got uh, a good team every year. They had though. a good team. Paradise whooped us that year. You know, they, uh, it was it was rough. My freshman year in high school, we got smashed by Paradise as well. So you know, you're gonna you're gonna. Get some tough losses. Never lost to Chico High, except for a baseball game one time. You're proud of that. Very proud of that. Uh, you okay with when it gets out of hand coming out of the game, or is that hard for you? That's hard. That is hard. It is? 
Uh, I understand it um, on, on some level, but uh, it's hard because I want to be out there uh, with my guys finishing that thing off. Uh, it's hard because you feel like you're giving up? or uh, Yeah, I just I, I like to be, uh, if I'm healthy and able to play, I like to be out there, you know. I understand the uh, the safety issues, but uh, I'd like to be out there fighting to the end. And and it was uh, it, it was a little bit of a safety issue. Let's let's talk a little bit about the pressure you were under. ESPN had a stat: you were what they call under duress uh, on 17 of your 33 dropbacks. So you were sacked, hit, or hurried on 17 out of 33. That's the most of any quarterback in a single game this year. Uh, you've already been sacked more this season, 37, than la- all of last year, 36, and you've taken the most sacks in the NFL this season. You have been very complimentary of your offensive line. You have a lot of confidence in TJ and Evan Dietrich-Smith. I know that. But do you have to, especially against a, a group like you faced on Sunday night, how do you how do you counteract that? And what's your concern level with the amount of pressure that teams are generating against you? I think you have to... Uh... I think you have to make some some adjustments. Obviously, I think we we need to to make some adjustments. We can't just drop uh, drop back every time. I think we need to incorporate some of the uh, some of the action stuff. You know, with some sort of backfield action. Obviously, we got to run the ball effectively to slow them down a little bit as well and mix in some screens and stuff. But um, yeah, it's tough. That's a good front. They get after the passer really well. There were multiple times where I had long. Uh, a lot of time to throw and was able to move around a little bit and make a couple plays, but there was uh, also many times where we had some guys open and wasn't able to uh, set my feet, set up, be on a rhythm. Um, so um, I think it's a combination. We gotta we gotta do it a little better in our one on ones for sure, but uh, we gotta help those guys out a little bit too and and make sure that uh, we're giving some different looks in the backfield to uh, to at least slow down some of the angles. You know, and, and I want to talk about cover, too, because that was something that got a lot of attention after the game, and, and I, I want you to kind of explain it for us. But before we do that. Two high safeties, and then there's, We'll you know, get to that. Just let me finish five underneath, thought, you, please? Four rushers, uh, usually. The, 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 this discussion in terms of protection, um, you've talked about this before, though, and, and sometimes you like to spread it out and be in the shotgun and the empty set and deal it quickly, right? So did it seem like... I guess when I watched it, and this is why we ask you instead of me trying to say what happened, it looked like they did a pretty good job against your guys, you know, on the quick stuff maybe. Um, how do you know when when it's good to go, you know, spread it out and five-man protection and deal the ball quickly and when you need to have a, keep a sixth or seventh guy in? Uh, you know, it's it's a feel thing. It's uh, It just depends on how the, the game's going, the tempo, and, how the pass rush is doing and, and what we're trying to accomplish there. I think if Greg's able to play this week and, and we can get him in the mix, then I think uh, you might see some more of that spread stuff. Um, we try to do a little bit of it with some two tight end stuff. and um, We haven't been able to get to a lot of uh, big four plays where we got a tight end and four receivers. Um, that's kind of our main spread formation. We've been Doing some of it with Randall, like in the backfield at times, where he kind of, um, you know, is is on a free release. But we haven't been able to do a ton of uh, just five receivers in essence with Jermichael out there, um, five five receivers in the pattern. So uh, you know, it's it's a fine line between being able to do that and protect well, 
and adjust to things and make quick adjustments and uh, and want to do more six and seven man protections. And we just got to figure out the right mix. All right, Professor Rogers, take us to school here because the cover two thing, everyone's talking about it. It is not, it's not a new defense, um, but it seems to be getting you guys. And you've talked about it somewhat openly after games. Can you explain it? In layman's terms, can you explain what the challenges it pre- are that it presents, and how do you beat it? The floor is yours. <laughs> oh, this is silly. Well, I mean, honestly, though, it, it does seem like teams. I feel like we talked about this early in the year, where we said everybody, are, if everybody could run cover two with a good pass rush with their front four and be able to stop the run with their front six in sub packages, they would do it. Right. That's, that's, uh, it doesn't matter if they're playing us or another team. That that would be the designed and, and the desired. Because it puts seven guys, you know, dropping back. And um, you can play uh, outside. You can, you can jam some receivers. You can cover the flats with your corners. You can have the safeties over the top. You can run an athletic middle linebacker down the middle of the field. And if you have two guys who are good at reading with their eyes, um, as the outside backer and the nickel, then you can, um, you know, cover some spots underneath. So there's not a ton of holes in that defense. It's a bend but don't break idea, keeping things in front of you, rallying up, making plays, tackling, stripping the ball, making teams go long, long drives to, to score on you. And uh, every team would, would love to do that if you can get pressure with your front four. Now, that doesn't, you know, always happen. And, right. and sometimes you play different types of quarterbacks. You need to pressure more. You need to spy them. Um, different things. We, uh, yeah, we're going to see a lot of cover too. Whether it's a combo coverage where you're playing quarters to one side and two to the other side, a cloud look, or whether it's two man where it's two high safeties and five underneath guys have a man, um, specific man, um, or if it's traditional two where there's two safeties and the corners are are off and with the eyes in the backfield and the three linebacker or linebacker types or or have vision to the backfield as well. That's the coverages that we're going to see. So, and why are you going to see those? Because teams think we haven't been effective. We haven't been effective enough protecting against teams that can get after us with four rushers, and we haven't been effective enough running the football against a six-man front in our sub packages. So, as long as those two things stay the same, that's the defense we're going to see. And is that what took Jordy? And and the other thing, yeah, the other thing is is uh, is Jordy. You know, we have you know if they if they can keep him outside and have a guy who restricts his immediate. Uh, release and, and a guy who can cover him over the top, then, uh, then that's going to take away some of the big plays that we've had here in the past. And that's what happened after the 61-yarder, right? I mean, you, were they in? They had to be in one high safety on that play, right? Or? I think it was a pressure, and uh, okay. and it was kind of more like a man outside. Okay. Yeah. Um, and was that a factor too in James, since he lines up on the outside most yeah, of the time? Yeah, for sure. Too, and we, yeah, he was running probably a lot of a lot of clear outs. And uh, a lot of design plays. For him. The last thing I want to know about cover two, because we talked to Chewy about this, um, and he's obviously played tight end at a very high level in the NFL. How does the how does the tight end help you uh, against a cover two, and 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 how can you use Jermichael to effectively counter counteract it? Well, the tight end has has more space to maneuver inside. And uh, you can uh, run him, you know, down the middle. You can run him on some shorter routes. You can um, kind of move his his location a lot and give him some some reading options. Um, probably didn't get him involved as much as we would have liked to in the game. Uh, he made uh, a really nice play for me um, on that 
ball that got tipped and somehow went like 20 yards down the field. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, we need to give him some more opportunities, I think, and um, he's doing some good things right now. And uh, you know, we we need to give him some more some more read routes probably, so we can uh, kind of work that middle if we're going to see a lot of that uh, to Tampa. Uh, a read route means that he has to see what the defense is presenting and and know the right thing to do. Yeah, but when you you, you know it's probably going to be covered too, so it kind of restricts the uh, the reading. It's, okay. it's uh, um, you know it's given him uh, depth options and and uh, coverage options, but we're seeing so much cover too, it turns into to kind of a base route. So. Um, Speaking of the tight end, I thought it was really interesting what happened during the field goal drive. Um, so take me through the three-play or three-interaction sequence. He has the drop, then you had a call timeout, and from the outside looking in, it looked like there was some sort of confusion with him that prompted the timeout maybe. Uh, and then he makes the catch down the field, and I jot something down, and I look up, and there you are giving him a wicked five and really fired up. Uh, what was that all about? And then we ran the ball and <laughs> kicked the field goal. <laughs> uh, yeah, the first down was was just uh, you know one of our uh, one of our base plays and um, threw a ball out uh, in a tough spot. It was below the waist. It was uh, it was not a great throw. Uh, didn't come up with it. Fine. Um, came over sidelines uh, or you know then we called another play. Um, it uh, there was. Some issues. It wasn't Jermichael. It was some issues okay. with the uh, with the formation. We had a couple guys who um, didn't quite get the call, and uh, we're trying to scramble to get lined up. In that situation, it's kind of you got three timeouts. You know, just take one. Let's make sure we get it right. Camera sidelines ran. Uh, you know, ran a base uh, movement pass that we have, and um, and he caught the ball and and rocked the guy. Yeah, ran him over. Yeah, and uh, and that was a big play. So the guy looks staggered. To me. I was fired up, and I know he was fired up as well. And we came back and um, ran it and got stuffed and kicked Fogel. Um, and I don't want to ask you specifically about this. And I've said before on the show that I tend to shy away from questions about him because it seems to be something that folks talk about all the time. Um, but he did ha- make some comments the Thursday before the Detroit game. Then came out after we got done doing the show on Tuesday. My question for you is: Do all your relationships with all your guys require some measure of maintenance, or is there a little bit more in terms of how you and and Jermichael kind of work through things? I think you have to. Maintenance is an interesting word. I'm not exactly sure what that uh, entirely refers to, but I think in general you have to have a good pulse on on how you guys are doing, and I like to. Uh, you know, I like to to make it my leadership style to uh, to talk to all the guys. I mean, all 53 of them. I like to know them by first and last name, and um, I, I think it's important to make those guys feel important. Obviously, the guys you're throwing to, you have to probably have uh, you know a little a little tighter relationship with. Um, so it's you know, with with some of the young guys, you got to be intentional about uh, talking to them. You know, I think it's important to get to know a guy, uh, you know, and kind of what he likes to do off the field, um, because that say a lot about the type of person that he is and what kind of personality uh, he has, and maybe how you can best uh, have an impact on him and and uh, and lead th- that individual guy. Um, with your Michael, I think it's been about uh, getting on the same page and spending time together. And I think the thing I appreciated about him, uh, especially the last three or four weeks, is uh, just how he really. Uh, you know, has has been a good teammate. 
And I think he really has. He he cares about his his guys. Um, he's been intentional about spending time with me and wanting to make sure that we're on the same page. And I think it's it's helped. I really I really do think it's helped. And I think uh, there's the best is is still in front of him for this season. And I think there's going to be even more opportunities as we go. But uh, I really like. Um, I like what I've seen from him, and I think that he's going to be important to us as we make this stretch run. Did you, did you guys have to talk about the stuff in that story? No, that on Tuesday no. You know what? No, we didn't. No. Um, most of the time, uh, you know, they'll, if something is said that, um, you know, whether it came out wrong or maybe it did come out the way they wanted to, I have a open door policy in my locker. Um, come talk to me. Uh, and if you don't, I'm going to come talk to you probably. So, um, in that situation though, so far after the fact, uh, you know, we we'd already, whenever the interview was done, I think Thursday, you know, Thursday before Detroit, we talked on Saturday and had a great conversation. Had and a good game on Sunday. Had a good game Sunday, and and there was, uh, you know, there was, in my opinion, there was nothing uh, in that story that. Uh, was going to come between our relationship, and I, I didn't really see the correlation between that story and anything that we had talked about on Saturday. So I, there was, in my opinion, no no reason to, uh, you know, to um, talk to him about it. We'll uh, we'll go inside the helmet and talk about the Vikings after halftime. Before we get there, we've got the D-list question of the day, and then something that Trent Dilfer said yesterday on the radio. I wanted to ask you about. Mm. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this. I know you and Trent have a good relationship. I can't uh, wait to hear what it is. It's a little long, so bear with me. I'm not very good at reading publicly. Um, when you watch the Green Bay Packers, what you see on many of their good pass plays are runners coming through, rushers beating offensive linemen who are going to get a hit on Aaron Rodgers. If the ball isn't out so quick, you start adding those up, eventually teams are going to be able to play a secondary look where they can reroute the receivers a little bit, take away the quick throw, take away the quick reads, and give their defensive line a little bit of extra time to get there and actually get home. That's what you saw with the Giants Sunday night. And the book gets written on every single team in the league, and the book on the Green Bay Packers is they're thin at a couple of spots on the roster, especially the offensive line, and your quarterback can only save you from so much. Here's the part that I thought was interesting. Uh, The year they won the Super Bowl, I still can't believe they did. That's why I still think it's the greatest single stretch of quarterbacking we've ever seen in this league, what Aaron Rodgers did, because he just masked so many other flaws the last couple of years in key games. Now, you're really going to now you're really starting to see how people have gotten to that chapter of the book on the Green Bay Packers and exposed it and nobody's good enough to overcome it. Um, there's some highly charged things about some of your teammates there. My question for you is, do you feel this measure of pressure when you're playing quarterback that if you don't have a good game that your team isn't going to be able to win because there's been some games where you didn't feel like you played well and you guys still found a way to win. I mean, that, that's that's Trent's opinion. Trent and I uh, have been friends since uh, since I came out in uh, 2005 for the NFL draft. And, um, you know, none of that is motivated, I can promise you, by anything that I've ever talked to him about. Um, that's his opinion, just like, you know, anybody else on TV who has an opinion. Um as far as pressure goes, I put pressure on myself to succeed uh, every week, and that's a driving force for me. And I do uh, take responsibility for the way I play and how it, uh, you know, is related to our success, win or lose. So I put that pressure on myself. Um, I've said many times before, 
the pressure that I put on myself and the expectations I have for myself are far greater than anything outside of the building. Um, I expect to play well every week and uh, and have a standard that I've, I've set for myself um, that's often unreachable. And that's just the way that I feel like I've been able to thrive is to never be complacent. And even when I, to the outside, may have looked like a really good game, I'm still going to be beating myself up about things. And that's just my personality and the, and the way that I try and stay grounded in, in those situations. So that's the pressure that drives me. It's not the outside world and their views or anybody's opinion about what I need to do to get us to win. It's uh, that I don't want to let my teammates or my coaches down and, and don't want to fall short of my own expectations, even if they are unrealistic. How many times did you reach them? Not many. Houston? Did you reach them in Houston? Atlanta playoff game? The Atlanta playoff game was good. <laughs> Against Shasta back in 2002, that was pretty good. I nice to... job. You got you got two on the list. Yeah. Um, well, the thing about that Shasta game was that <laughs> we played in this all-star game that summer, the Lions all-star game. I was on the South team. Me and Tim Bouchard, actually, from Pleasant Valley High School, he was our right tackle at the time. Uh, his nickname was Cheese. Great nickname. Um, so we're playing in the North, and right before the game, uh, or after the game, there was a lot of trash talking from one player. I, I actually can't remember his name. It's very forgettable. He was talking some trash after the game. We lost on a last-second Hail Mary. And uh, so he's talking a little trash, and we're going to play Shasta that week, and he's talking some more trash, talking about how they got the best quarterback on the field and yada, yada, yada. So the best part about it, that whole thing was seeing him. And the, you know, because at that, you know, college you do the whole, like, lineup, both teams line up, you walk through, you, you high-five or whatever. And he was the last person in line. He wasn't even dressed that day. I said, hey, thanks for your comments. Gosh, I don't know why people think you hold grudges. I don't. Our dealist question. I let him go. You, you clearly. That was, that was a freedom there. Like, hey, thanks for the comments. That was it. <laughs> yeah. No, you appreciate it. I have You're a good memory. But they, you yeah. know. So your buddy Drew Gooden yesterday. Did you see what he did? DG. Yeah, did I heard about it. Did you see what he did? Kev, Kev told me about it. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't see it. But, All right. Uh, so he and Joe Kim Noah apparently are good friends. Uh, and so... He tweeted out that if you sent him a picture of him flushing of some someone flushing a Bulls jersey down the toilet, he would give you his tickets to the game. Uh, so the dealer's question is a two-parter. Uh, one, who is your closest friend on another team? Because obviously he did this in part because of his friendship, uh, and you can't say Matt Flynn. We're going to take him away from you. So who's your closest friend on another NFL team? Matt Flynn. And and whose jersey would you like to see someone put in the toilet? You know, I'm not going to answer that, first of all. But, well, it doesn't uh, have to be an NFL team. I'm guessing Shasta might have a chance. Uh, I don't really remember anybody except for Joe Ireland on that Shasta team. We locked him down. You know who locked him down that game was Sean Botiford. Played receiver in the yeah. and locked down the number one receiver in the state at that point. He bounced around for quite a while in the yeah. NFL. He carved out a little. Well, Body was so. a big-time player Yeah, for us. Number 12. At Duke College, back story there. Yeah, number four. Um, I don't even remember the question. Uh, Who's my best friend on another team? team. Ah man, there's a lot of guys I keep in touch with uh, that have have played here. Ravel's not playing at this point. Is he on a roster right now? Yes, he is. Where is he? Buffalo Bills. He's still in Buffalo. Might have heard of him. I thought they cut him. When? I don't know. Thought I, I thought I remember the Look it up. I will. I've got a I would say Ravel. That's my kind of what I figured. Friend. That's why yeah. I, I thought maybe there was a hesitation. I talked, no, I talked to Ravel and I talked to 
Yeah, Corey and I remained close. Corey Hall, after he left, he's no, not no, playing he's anymore. Retired. Yeah, he's retired. Okay. Um, Matt and I probably talk the most um, out of anybody that's been here or left. There's, uh, you know, I'm friends with a lot of guys. That, you know, when you're, um, you have different events in the off season. We have a, a an event with our agency, so our agency represents a number of guys across the league. So it's been fun to get to know um, guys like Matt Castle, um, who are who are with uh, with us. Kyle Orton has been with us for a long time. Dan Orlovsky, some of the guys I got drafted with. Um, it's been fun to keep in touch with them um, and, and see them at those events. Uh, and then you see different guys at various events, whether it's Kentucky Derby or the ESPYs or uh, the Pro Bowl, and uh, and get to start a friendship with them. Uh, one this week, I, I really enjoyed uh, – Chad Greenway at the Pro Bowl always enjoyed competing against him and, and feel like he plays the game the right way. And um, and Jared Allen as well. I've always uh, respected the way he plays and uh, even more what he does off the field with his Wounded Warriors right. Foundation. Um, so it's fun to play those guys. It's funny to, to think about 08 when I stepped on the field and all the trash talking that was coming from Jared and Kevin Williams and Pat Williams and Ray Edwards and these guys. And now to know all of these guys, Ray included, uh, and to have, uh, I think, a mutual respect on the field. It's fun to, to kind of see that uh, that grow. They play hard. They're not going to take it easy on me, but I think there's a respect level that exists after the game. Uh, Drew Olson, better late than never. Yes, Ravel's still active with Buffalo. He also wants to know why you didn't throw Stanford's jersey in the – that's kind of your rival, isn't it? Not anymore? They don't feel that? No. Okay, fair enough. I always love it when we really hit on something because you can tell we really hit on something you enjoyed. <laughs> Uh, take us through the 61-yard <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> take us through the 61-yard touchdown to Jordy. Well, we wanted to get off to a good start. We thought about that play during the week and liked it. Um, it was just uh, kind of a staple that we've had in the past. We're kind of doing a half roll with action away, setting up and taking a shot. Um, a couple things you gotta you gotta talk about on that play. First of all, is John Kuhn, who I think had an incredible game and. Um, is huge for offense. Very underrated player. Um, obviously a, a folk hero with the fans. When he get, touches the right. ball, even on the road, you hear the coon chants. I um, got confused when Cruz would get the ball because I thought they were yelling coon. <laughs> uh, Mike probably thought he was getting booed for some reason. You know, that's that's another inside joke there. But if you listen to the radio show, you know about that when Mike, you know, was was thought he was getting booed, but they're actually saying you you fans are saying coon, uh, which which we love and John loves it as well. But that being said, John uh, on that play is coming around uh, from the left side back to the right, and he's kind of my personal protector on the play. And uh, as I came out of the fake, uh, Justin Tuck was high and wide, uh, didn't really go for the action, and John came over and made a real nice block to give me some extra time. That allowed me to to look downfield and look at Jordy. Uh, he had a one on one with Corey Webster and uh, was able to, to make a nice double move. Um, at the time, to me, it looked like he might have stepped out, just from my vantage point where I was. Uh, that What I also saw was a for sure illegal contact because he's way down the field, and it looked like he got pushed uh, by Webster. Um, because of that, I, I decided instead of throwing a ball, usually on that play there would be, uh, we like to say, like a level three ball. That's how we used to categorize it back in college, a very high ball with air um, I decided to put a little bit lower and give him a chance to make a play um, and uh, and Jordy came out of it great the ball turned out to be uh, on the money and uh, and somehow he didn't step out of bounds so I give Jordy a lot of credit he ran a really nice route wish we could have gotten the ball more that game that was a good start for us but again 
got to highlight uh, John Kuhn for uh, not only that play, but a number of really big plays that aren't going to get a lot of notice. Obviously, he had a couple nice catches and a couple good runs, but uh, John does so much for us out there, um, and he's a very underrated player and uh, very often, you know, the most valuable guy on the field for us. I still think that's the best thing when you do your inside the helmet is when you tell us what other guys are doing to make plays work in addition to what makes that play work. Um, here's a play that didn't work. Uh, the interception by Webster, you got him, he got you. I mean, what what happens there? Because he's not covering your anybody. target. <laughs> yeah, he's not covering anybody. <laughs> Just had a little action, a little draw action, uh, trying to hold uh, Antrill Roll, who's playing uh, the nickel, um, kind of get him to bite on the play, and Randall just run a little stop route. Um, not in my wildest dreams would I have thought that Corey that early in the game was going to jump it after we hadn't ran any stick routes at that point, um, any any quick stuff. Um, kicking myself a little bit for not just at least taking a look outside, but um, we got Antrell on the fake um, and wanted to get the ball to uh, to Randall quickly and get with some space and thought that uh, outside uh, he's got he's got to respect or at least jam the release on some level. On uh, James. On mean? James Jones, who was the outside guy running down the sidelines. Um, and Corey ended up making a, making a nice play. Tried to hit him really hard on the sidelines. He kind of ducked under my... Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you about that. My throat that was... my throat tackle. <laughs> um, there, there's a school of thought that you shouldn't be doing that. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't go to that school. I know. <laughs> I know you didn't. Uh, you also didn't like it when we argued that maybe your best play in the NFC Championship game was taking uh, Erlacher down after his interception near the goal line, but that was a huge play in that game. What uh, did I like about that? I, I think I admitted. I feel like, yeah, I think with on the show, I don't think after the game, but I think you were just mad that you threw the interception. Oh, real mad. Of course. Yeah. Um, I'm but, always mad Yeah, when I throw an interception. Yeah, I know. Um, so... You don't go to that school. I don't. Are uh, there other people who do though that would yeah. rather you didn't do that? Probably. I don't. I don't go to that school. I, I've given up. I believe. Uh, you can check my check it here. Um, one pick six. I believe you're correct. Um, I had a pretty good shot on a guy in uh, in New Orleans back in uh, 2008, and uh, I've made a couple other tackles and some feeble attempts as well, uh, but. One thing I, I strong will will try my darndest uh, on is to not give up a, a pick six. Um, in that case, our defense uh, held them to a field goal. Right now, we got aided by the fact that uh, there was some uh, very tiny contact uh, by Randall. I think he stepped on Randall's foot, or I couldn't tell what happened, but but they called him down by contact. Um, but either way, I think uh, my my weak attempt still. For some reason, he fell down after that, so he didn't score on that, at least. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but giving up a pick six is, is not something I'm going to ever ever allow, and if I the, can. The other play that I wanted to ask you about, you were asked about it after the game, and, and again, I feel like we ask you tough questions when we need to here. I, I have to admit that I didn't think much of it at the time, uh, but I've gotten some tweets about it, too. The, the Hail Mary, um, you got Kiwanuka, who closes on you, when you were first about to throw the ball. Take us through that play and why you end up throwing it away, because I, I guess I thought it made perfect sense. Yeah, I was surprised by the question, to be honest with you. Um, we're on the 41-yard line uh, with five seconds left. Um, changed the call in the huddle to Hail Mary. 
So uh, that's what I was thinking. I wasn't thinking not Hail Mary. So I called Hail Mary, rolled out to the right, and they ran a three-man rush. Kiwanuka was off the slot and trying to jam one of the guys, and then he came off free. Uh, as I'm rolled to my right, he's coming off free in my vision. Uh, at that point, we have guys running at about the 30-yard line uh, with no vision to the football. I briefly thought about uh, trying to throw a, a low liner to Jermichael and hope he turns around, uh, but those guys are all thinking get in the end zone. My thinking in my head is if I can release from the 35, the ball is going to go in the end zone. I can throw it 65 yards in the end zone. That being said, I have to be able to set my feet. Um, I don't know that many quarterbacks in the NFL can can throw it uh, 68 yards on the run, rolling to their right, and, and have a ball that lands on the numbers. Uh, at that point, with those weather conditions, that was out of my zone. It was out of my line. If you're a kicker, you know, you have a right. certain line you uh, – 65 setup was about my my range that night um so i rolled to my right i couldn't set my feet he was still closing i had no idea what was backside uh and it's it most of the time when we're on a hill mary i like to as i move to my right just take a peek backside we've had some different cases against minnesota at the dome a couple years back chicago down in chicago a couple years back where i've got rocked on the backside of a hill mary because i set up um so i wanted to take a look backside i had no idea where jpp was or tuck or any of the guys on the play and uh you know in that situation i felt like it was the best the best play to uh to live the fight another day and not take a, a you know a big time shot if you try to throw it on the run and it comes up short like a tim Mastey punt uh there is a risk that your guys are all in the end zone it could get returned right i mean they've got nothing to lose by doing it right yep i think so and that's kind of what you got to you know what you have to think about there in a short amount of time um it was mostly the fact that if I pull up and try and juke Kiwanuka to set up, you know, get into my 35-yard line to be able to make that setup throw, where's the guy's backside? Am I going to take an unnecessary cheap shot fumble, sack fumble, pick up score? Um, you got to – I think that was a smart play right there, and I, I stand by that uh, throwaway. What what did happen on the fumble? Because you, that's another thing that you take a lot of pride in is that very seldom does the ball come out when you're in the pocket or getting ready to throw. Yeah, I, did, I didn't see the guy. So um, set up was was, uh, was throwing it down the field. and uh, O.C.'s gotten you twice now, kind of like that, right? I mean, he got you in the playoff game, too, that way, a little bit? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I made a nice play. Uh, let's talk about the Vikings. Look ahead to that game, obviously, on Sunday. Uh, back to the division for the next three weeks. Uh, I don't know. You, you play on Sunday night. Did you watch some of the Vikings Bears at the hotel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What uh, What do you see so far in your film study and your preparation? Well, I think offensively, just I don't talk a whole lot about the, about the other team's offense most of the time. But um, one guy I do want to recognize is Adrian, Adrian Peterson, and I've gotten to know him over the years. And, and uh, besides his incredibly firm handshake, um, the one thing that, that I think usually sticks with you is his, uh, his personality. He's a very uh, engaging guy. You enjoy being around him. Um, uh, he's an incredible player, and I give him a lot of credit for the work having an ACL injury myself in college. I know how difficult it is to rehab, um, and he looks incredible. So I think he's playing great, and uh, wanted to recognize him. Uh, I'm not sure what Percy Harvin's status is going to be, but having him back, he's one of the top guys in the league uh, for all the things that he does. Uh, but defensively, it's uh, some familiar faces. Antoine uh, Winfield is back and healthy, and that helps their defense. Uh, toughest pound-for-pound guy in the league, probably. Uh, incredible tackler, incredibly smart, heady, uh, good ball skills. 
Um, they have some different guys in the secondary. Uh, you might uh, recognize uh, Harrison Smith's name as a safety uh, from Notre Dame. Uh, I think he, as a young player, he's playing very well. Uh, he seems to have good instincts, good ball skills. Um, obviously up front, it's a lot of familiar faces. Kevin Williams is playing uh, very well, I think. I think he's had uh, a good comeback year this year. Um, a guy I wanted to get here, uh, Robinson, uh, off the edge. Uh, is, a, is a very talented rusher, obviously Jared Allen, minus the mullet. Um, he's he's still one of the premier pass rushers in the league. Um, and the linebackers are playing really well. Chad Greenway, I got to spend time with him at the Pro Bowl. I have a lot of respect for him and the way he plays the game. I've always enjoyed competing against him. I think he plays the game hard. He plays the right way. He plays it within the rules. Uh, but he's a fierce competitor. And uh, it's tough for a guy like him to make the Pro Bowl with the kind of big names that we have in the NFC. If you think about, you know, Briggs and Erlacher and obviously Bowman and uh, Patrick Willis. But this guy is, uh, I believe, leading the league in tackles. And uh, and he's a big-time, big-time player, and I enjoy playing against him and competing against him. You, you mentioned Robeson. Um, that's the guy that kicked TJ, right? Yeah, that was. <laughs> so did you guys go together in your recruiting, or what, what do you mean you tried to get him here? Well, I asked him at, at one point uh, – you know what his contract status was, and um, I think he would have been a, a real good outside uh, backer in the three-four. Very athletic guy. Um, you know, he would he would add to our our outside backers and really our defense with the kind of long hair that we have over there. Uh, Team Dread, we like to call it sometimes. We could get I think ten guys, nine or ten guys, with dreads on the field at one point uh, for our defense. So uh, his his long mane would be nice. Was that before or after he kicked TJ? Before. Okay. Yeah. I think he's apologized. Yeah. Have you? By the way, speaking of TJ and and Sitton, did you? I know you have a cameo in the uh, Kenny Main production. Did you get to see them in there? I did. Uh, I thought it was excellent. Glory. I thought it was excellent. I, th- I love the Jerry O'Connell stuff. I think he was unbelievably funny. And the TJ and Josh, when they were in the black and white looking at each other doing the, I think it was, a, was it a Brad Pitt commercial spoof for, I think, a cologne or something? Was, it was yeah. for a cologne. I think it was, I think Brad Pitt had some, like he just saying random words. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was unbelievable. Those guys are real funny. And it's funny to see, uh, you know, Kenny has done a lot of different skits with us. I think we're kind of his go-to. Uh, but, you know, TJ's, TJ's come a long way from uh, getting hit with some cabbage Ooh. in the face to uh, starring in his own main event. Uh, that must have scored funny. some points with Kenny when he took that off the yeah, face I'm when sure he threw that from the third row. <laughs> um, I wanted to go back to one other thing. You were talking about uh, you called it a level three throw in college. Made me think of Coach Tedford. Have you gotten to talk to him? At yeah, all? I, have, I have talked to Coach. Is he doing all right? He's doing okay. Uh, let's do our Ask Aaron questions. If you want to submit one, you can do it via email or, of course, with the hashtag Ask Aaron. Uh, and this one comes from Dan, and he's one of probably six people that asked me this. Uh, what did you think of the Giants trying to run up the score on you? Now, I don't know if you viewed it that way, but they went for it on fourth down twice late in the game, up 28 points. What did you think of that? I think it was the, the right play to do. I really do. I think... If you're judging by in-game um, etiquette, I think it was what you do. Really? I th- yeah. I, I think kicking the field goal right there is adding extra points to the board unnecessarily. Interesting. Yep. I, I think that uh, most people would agree with me. I really? I really do. I think that 
you you run the ball most of the time in those situations. You go for it on fourth down. Um, and if it works? If it works, you've given the defense a chance to stop you. Okay. Uh, if you kick a field goal, you're adding, an, in my opinion, points without uh, without reason. That's really I, I learned something new today. Um, this one comes from Brian. If you had to read a book about one of your teammates' lives, whose story would you pick? That's a great, great question. Uh, and there's a lot. I, I think uh, there's some interesting guys on the team. C.J. Wilson, I think, is a very interesting guy. Um, if, if you look at the, some of the things, so the D-line makes fun of each other about everything, but some of the uh, areas of his life that are interesting include his his, uh, uh, well, his dating habits, his dog that often gets locked in the basement uh, for multiple hours at a time, uh, according to the D-line. I don't know if that's true or not. But just his uh, his life I think would be interesting. Clay, um, the international man of mystery, uh, I think following him around with a reality show would be excellent. I always thought Brady Papinga would just be the best candidate ever because some of the stories that Brady would tell uh, about uh, you know leaving the house and actually setting the alarm off and not coming back to turn it off at 6 in the morning and uh, not answering Brooks' phone calls on the way in uh, to you know obviously the stuff that he said at different points during the day to um, going to bed at 7.30 at night, just his whole life. Uh, He's was, back in the league too. Was always interesting. Where, where's he at? Now, see, I'm on top of my there you transaction. Go. You got it, yeah. I, I made up for it now. Uh, he's with Dallas. Dallas picked him up this week. That's awesome. Yes, I'm an outside. I'm a defensive end. I mean, linebacker. <laughs> but Brady, I think, always would have been great. But Clay, CJ, uh, Cedric Benson is a very interesting guy. Um, I think those guys would be at the at the top of my list. Uh, this comes from Ashley. Do you think it's the mustache that's throwing off your aerodynamics? <laughs> I I can't tell you how much attention this mustache is getting. I, I'm, I'm I hope the guys at Movember are happy. It's trending on Twitter. It's trending on Yahoo. TMZ. Did you see this? Tracked down Sam Elliott in like a grocery store parking lot and told him that you had said that his mustache was what did he the say? Greatest mustache ever. He was flattered. I don't know. He probably doesn't know. I'm not sure he knew who you were. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, what? He's in my foursome too. If I can have a guy to play golf with one day, I think we should set that up. That'd be awesome. Get you down to Kohler and have you play with Sam Elliott and Tausch. No, nah, just Sam. <laughs> Sam Elliott, Kurt Russell, Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. Um, are you pleased with? I, I don't know. I'm assuming that. You made some sort of donation to to the cause and everything else, but are you pleased with the attention your mustache has generated? Because they sure talked about it a lot, and it's cert- we we know why you're doing it. I hope they talk about it for the right reasons. It's again um, to raise awareness um, for men's cancer, especially you know prostate cancer. So um, we do some great things in our league uh, for breast cancer. We have a whole month dedicated to it, where we're pink and we auction off. Um, the stuff that we wear from towels to wristbands, um, you know, to tape to what I don't know what the, the auction everything off that we wear the the shoes right um, to uh, to raise money for for breast cancer, which is incredible. And a lot of our lives, either directly or indirectly, have been uh, linked to, uh, to to someone that we know who's important to us, to, who's had breast cancer. And um, obviously, you know, John Kerry's here, and I'm a huge supporter of the MAC Fund and everything they do. Uh, this is just another opportunity to raise awareness about uh, prostate cancer because, you know, I'm not saying that men get uh, get forgotten about as far as in the cancer um, sections of, of, of our lives, but uh, 
But I think, you know, in general, you, you talk about breast cancer and, and kids with cancer, and, you know, there's a lot of men out there with uh, right. who are dealing with cancer as well. Um, it did make the broadcast a few times. They talked about it. I wanted to ask you, how did the uh, production meeting go with Chris Collinsworth and uh, and Al Michaels? Because I know it was – they talked a lot during the during the Houston game about how it went. Yeah, it was fine. It was, uh, it was normal. All right. Uh, Mark – says, I was at the game, and I noticed your words to Phillips after he hit you on the side on your side and Charles's words to you before the second half. Can you share either one of those conversations? I slid on a, on a run there in, in the second quarter, I believe. No, third quarter. Third quarter, I, uh, I was trying to get the ball to Randall on a play, like a little shovel pass. He got grabbed. I ran out. And I slid. I felt like I'd. It was. It was a borderline late slide for me. Right. But I f- still feel like I gave him enough space that that a shot to the head was a little unwarranted. Uh, Antrill kind of got me in the side of the head, and I. I've known those guys for a while. I have a lot of respect for them. But I said, "Hey, man, you know, take it easy on the head." Um, and there was another run later in the game where uh, where Phillips was close to me as well, and I and I just said, "Hey, you know, just watch watch the head." So uh, what, do they say, what do you say back? Those, those guys are real respectful, and and they play the game the right way. So there wasn't, um, they knew I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't uh, getting after them or, or talking down to them. It was just right. like a reminder, like you know, let's stay off the head. Let's look out for each other. Charles, that was, uh, I, I knew that that silly camera was on us at that point, but uh, you love your cameras. Yeah, I was. I don't know why that's you know noteworthy to have a camera when we're warming up right there, but. Uh, but yeah, Charles and I, we always talk during the games, whether he's playing or not, and uh, just a conversation about uh, about some things. And um, you know, when it's not going good, everybody uh, has different ideas from time to time. But Charles had some good reminders about uh, about what to do there in the second half, and I always appreciate his advice. Is he uh, is he close? You talked to him. I think so. More than yeah, I does. think he's I think he's getting close. Uh, Nathan asks has any opposing player ever asked you for an autograph after the game like mm. jamal charles apparently did with peyton manning which i didn't know about that and would you do that would you ask someone and if so who would it be i yeah i i don't know if, if there's anybody i would do that for um i remember I, I was cool when i was a rookie as i walked between the third and fourth quarter uh we were playing baltimore uh in baltimore and we got shellacked and uh and I was walking with Deion Sanders, and I always thought that was cool because I used to watch Deion when I was a kid. And um, this conversation was fun because I was, I was a 21-year-old rookie. He's close to 40 and right. at the end of his career, and uh, and that was a fun fun exchange. Uh, I saw that uh, that Charles had asked Manning for his autograph after the game. I've you know I mean I have buddies on different teams and taking pictures with him, and we've shared. You know he said it was for his mom. I don't doubt that it was for his right. it was for his mom. You know I don't think it's a big deal. Um, I know I think there was somebody from Kansas City who thought that that was the wrong thing to do but does your mom have anyone she wants the autograph from no mom and dad aren't big autograph people (laughs) uh andrea pleads can we hear your uncle's story the llama uncle please she says no not yet not yet not ready okay uh matt says who assumed the photobomb duty since you were a captain on Sunday? We'll never see the photo. We'll never know. We will never know. I don't know. I heard it was good, though. I, I didn't see it. I, by the time I looked behind me, uh, I couldn't tell who was in it and who was passing by, which is a good thing. <laughs> I would assume that Charles was a part of it because he usually gets in the back, but 
I honestly couldn't tell you. And so you can't schmooze Jim Beaver or whoever the. F- oh, I can I can schmooze and get got, it for sure. You got yeah. some people. You've yeah, got I, people. I know people. Uh, Anthony, and a more serious question says, uh, "I know you have a good relationship with Alex Smith. Have you talked with him? And what's your take on the switch the 49ers made?" Well, that's a loaded question. Uh, yeah, Alex and I are buddies, and it's been fun to see our relationship grow from 21-year-old kids who are pitted against each other by the media. Darn uh, media. When we we actually we got along well uh, as as the 2005 draft was approaching. Uh, our first people probably don't know this, but my first extended action at Cal was at Utah in 2003. Uh, I played the second through the fourth quarters, and that was Alex Smith's first start. Really? Um, we uh, I went in. We were actually down 14 nothing. Came back and and tied it up late. And he took him on a last second drive and beat us. Uh, but that was his first start, my first extended action, and uh, that's kind of how we started our careers together. And then, you know, a couple years later, we were both uh, in New York for the draft. And now, eight years later, we're both still in the NFL and uh, starting quarterbacks, at least according to uh, his coach. Um, uh, he has played. Very, very well the last couple of years. Um, last year to throw only five interceptions and close to 500 throws is incredible. And the way that he take, takes care of the football is admirable. Um, he's he's also been finally given opportunities to make some plays down the field. Um, he went to a, a bad team early in his career and uh, has dealt with a lot of uh, coaching changes that uh, I'm fortunate enough not to have to have have dealt with and i give him a lot of credit because i think he's really handled himself the right way he's improved himself and uh he's a big time player and the stuff that he had to go through this off season as they courted peyton manning um was interesting to watch from afar i had no knowledge of what was actually going on but the picture that it looked like that was what was going on um and i think through the entire process even uh now as they're uh you know, who knows what they're doing, but they started calling Kaepernick last week. I don't know if, you know, I think Harbaugh said he doesn't know who the quarterback's going to be yet. Um, he continues to handle himself with a lot of class, and I give him credit for that because it's a difficult situation. Uh, last one, you mentioned quarter, uh, coaching changes. Kevin says, you mentioned earlier in the season about missing, or maybe not missing, depending upon how it was viewed, uh, Joe Philbin. Are you willing to discuss that any further on your feelings about how much you miss him and how much this offense misses him? No. no I don't think this it's uh, appropriate or necessary at this point right now. He had a nice win this week. The, the, now, you talk about... Very happy for him. Do you keep in touch with him at I all? Do. Or is that against the rules, or how does that work? What rules? Well, I don't know. There's, uh, I, don't know I guess he wouldn't be tampering about. with you. It's not like he's recruiting you as a free agent. Joe and I are buddies. We, uh, we're great friends when he was here, and, and we'll continue to be great friends uh for a long time i've always appreciated his friendship and um miss him around here i really do i miss our conversations and i miss uh tuesday afternoon just hanging out in his office and talking to him and uh friday afternoons talking with him and uh he's missed you know he's he was family here for as long as i was here the first seven years of my career and um wish him nothing but the best uh and then i haven't asked aaron question because no one asked this no oh, yippee um are we full time here? And, and, and you can you can tell how excited he is about that question. Um, it's your birthday on Sunday. Yes, it is. What are your birthday plans? I was I can't believe that given how many avid fans you have, 
that no one brought this up. So I think I, after you after you hit 28, it's kind of like, ah, birthdays is. don't really matter anymore. You're close to 30. You're getting old. So you're playing a game on your birthday. Have you ever had that happen before at any level? Yes. Eighth grade, we played Notre Dame junior high it was i was at champion christian notre dame was the other uh, was the catholic school big rivalry no the rivalry is more like champion and bidwell and chico junior actually no offense to notre dame uh (laughs) but my teammates that night they did me a nice little favor they uh they fed me the ball a lot so i had 30 points uh in a in a couple quarters we platoon so we played like the first and third quarters you're like that kid at grinnell no i'm not i didn't take 100 shots i was probably you know 12 for 20, maybe 25, I don't know. I was a good player in eighth grade. I was kind of at the height of my basketball career. I averaged probably okay. 20 a game for champion Christian, and we beat up on most of the schools around the area. But other than that, I don't know if I've ever played on my birthday other than uh, in that game. But uh, So what will you do for your birthday? I mean, hopefully win and, and then relax. And uh, you know, i got some friends coming in town, uh, some crazy friends, my brother. <laughs> so... <laughs> Papa? Papa's going to be in town. Papa's in the house. When you think about it, you came into the league 21 years old. I, you know, I feel like we've been around you for a long time around here, obviously. But you're still only 29. I mean, is it a little bit remarkable to you what you've accomplished before your 30th birthday? I know you're not a huge reflection guy, and I'm putting you on a spot here. But is that, I mean, That's I That's a big believe- assumption there. <clears throat> What what kind of what assumption? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm nostalgic. You are. I think so. Yeah. Okay. It is. Uh, it's fun. I mean, it really is to think uh, to think about uh, the things I was thinking about at 21, uh, a rookie in the league, um, and now to be you know nearly 29, and have accomplished a lot of things that I wanted to accomplish uh, growing up, and once I you know got to college, junior college. Uh, D1 got the NFL and thought about the you know how I wanted my legacy to uh, to kind of play out in Green Bay. Um, it's been exciting. It really has. I, I think the best is still yet to come. I really do, and I hope it's uh, it's more than just uh, than just football and, and winning championships. I, I hope that there's uh, um, some great friendships made, uh, some impact in the community, and. Uh, Again, like I always say, you know, as Bart Starr is my kind of my my model of uh, of what success to me really looks like, uh, more than just uh, as a football player. I'd love uh, I'd love to start to you know continue to keep that as my my goal for my legacy as I, as I play out. Uh, hopefully, the rest of my time in Green Bay here. Hopefully, uh, um, yeah, we can. Uh, get something done at some point and, and, and make sure I, I'm going to be a Packer for life. And if we can do that, then uh, I'm a, I'll be more than happy to continue to be the quarterback of this team until uh, till my time's done and, and hopefully have a, have a big impact on the community. Well, uh, from all your teammates at ESPN Wisconsin, I'm sure they wish you a happy birthday as well. And I will see you on Sunday as you, I'm sure, will. I'll see you tomorrow. I can't wait. Well, yeah. Exciting. I, I know. you I usually try to avoid that locker room fray. Uh, it's pretty crowded over there by your locker. Yeah. Uh, and I take up enough of your time, which means I've done that enough for today. So we will do it again next week. We'll look back on the game against the Vikings. Look ahead to the Lions, which I feel like we just did. And, of course, have your questions for Ask Aaron. Thanks again for listening. This has been the Aaron Rodgers Show.